do as he feels led. Amen. Brother Kevin. Thank you, Brother Donnie Heyman, and praise the Lord, everybody. It's a real treat and an honor to be back in the house of God again this afternoon and take a little time in studying the Word of the Lord. And I'm so happy that it's in my heart yet today that let every man, let every man be a liar and let God be true. Praise God. Let every man be a liar and God be true. I remember the first time that scripture so forcibly came to me, I was uh, confronted in the city of Shelbyville many years ago uh, to come take uh, my term in broadcasting in the city, but they informed me that I had to give the announcer my sermon in outline before I went into the studio to deliver my sermon. And I told, I told the announcer, I said, uh, I'm not saying this to my credit, this may be to my discredit, but I said, I never wrote a sermon in my life. Never in my life. Well, they said it's the policy of the radio station that uh, we have to have a, a copy of your message before you go on the air. Well, wanting to go preach so bad, I, uh, took a piece of paper and uh, just wrote a whole bunch of scriptures and handed it to him. And it was on the way anyhow, and you know, it's rather, you couldn't just stop a man at the door to keep him from going in. And I uh, walked into the radio station, and I just happened to have one of my old Bibles with me. Just just happened to have one with me, and, the, and it was all apart, and uh, the pages were loose, and Inside was loose from the outer cover, and I was holding it very properly to keep it all together. And just as I went to the end of the room to sit down to preach, my Bible slipped out of my hand. The inside slipped out of the out cover, and all the pages just went every direction. And I quickly, especially when you're dealing with time, I knew I would be on the air just momentarily, and I grabbed pages here and stuffed them in my Bible rather quickly. And to get myself together, I bowed my head just to say a word of prayer, to ask God to bless the message. And uh, the scriptures that I gave him were with him, and the scriptures that I had were somewhere in the jumbled up mess of my pages. So I bowed my head, and I went to praying, and I, I was praying, and I, as I was praying, I said, Let God be true, and every man a liar. Well, needless for me to tell you, I digress from the passage of scriptures I gave the announcer from what I preached that afternoon. And when I got through preaching, I was sitting down, and that was rather hard to do, and when I got through my clothes was wet and my hair was down in my eyes. And of course, now I don't ask everybody to preach like I do, or I don't do it anymore too much. But, uh, and I walked out wondering what the news, what the radio announcer would say. 
And as I stepped out of the door, I, I called him a name. I said, Vic, I said, I'm so sorry for what happened today. He said, don't mind, Reverend. I said, we like it that way best anyhow. <laughs> so it is still true. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Praise God. The Lord bless you today. I, I just want to talk to you out of my heart and especially out of God's holy writ about a little subject that is, uh, it is, uh, you won't mind me making this expression. It's my candy stick. And it's uh, lasted up until now. And I haven't got it all out. And, uh, I want to talk to you today about it. How many, how many folk in this church live above condemnation always? I want you to stand to your feet. James Brown, I know better. Did you stand, Brother Hahn? First of all, let me uh, let me uh, lay a little groundwork here to try to explain to you uh, the reason this has been so forceful in my life. When I came into the church, they were preaching in those days that when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the devil went out and Christ came in. And uh, there was no, no more sin, root, branch, and all was gone. Well, needless for me to tell you, it liked to kill me. I was fresh out of a world that had inbreded itself in my very being. They even preached that if you... Uh, what you dream about, if it wasn't in your heart, you wouldn't be dreaming about it. Well, that bothered me. I said, that bothered me. Coming out of a home that constantly would use vile language, even though you're being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, I was still bombarded. My mother used bad language. My father and all of his children just followed suit. And uh, constantly, I it was I thought about. It. But they preached that if when you got saved, if you're born again, you can't sin. For he that is born of God sinneth not. Well, I said there's something wrong somewhere, and the devil tried to make me. Feel like that I wasn't even saved. I didn't even have the Holy Ghost. And there was times in prayer. I opened my Bible while I was praying and took my finger and put it on the verse and said, Devil, right here it is. And I want you to know I got what's right here. Amen. So uh, I was in a state of uh, confusion almost endlessly. I got no help. I got no help from the platform. Now, don't, don't take that with a broad coverage. 
But uh, somehow there was no encouragement to explain to me what was taking place in my life. Praise God. And one of the first one of the first portions of Bible that we become intimately acquainted with, and if you'd like to turn with it, I'd just like for you to read it. It's chapter eight of the book of Romans, verse number one. And man, it used to bother me to no end. Praise God. It used to bother me to no end. I, I, you know, it's strange. Now, please, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't do this because I do it. Don't do this because I do it. Sometimes I read the Bible backwards. Here a while back, I, I started reading the book of Revelation backwards. <coughs> I wouldn't advise that. But, uh, I don't know why it is, but sometimes when you read it backwards, uh, you you read something and you wonder about it, and then when you read something above, it explains what's underneath it. Or if you read it in a chronological order, sometimes you divide the chapters and you read one chapter, and maybe you go back and read the second chapter uh, two or three months later, and somehow you forget what the first part of the chapter previous that you read, and the first thing you're back in confusion. Well, you never did get like that. Lord have mercy. But the passage in chapter 8 of Romans, it bothered me to no end. There is therefore now. And it's no use to me. Somebody says, well, explain that to me. There ain't no more I could explain. It just says there is therefore now. Just now. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And that bothered me. It never dawned on me, it never dawned on me that the last verse in chapter 7, Paul was wrestling with something. Oh, blessed man that I am. Hey, look out now. Oh, victorious man that I am. Cut it out, spell. Let me bring this. I may have to go back to it a little bit today. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Amen. In other words, I... Here's the Apostle Paul, my great apostle, my tremendous example. Thank you, Brother Speck. My tremendous example, who is crying out in the anguish of his very being. Oh, wretched man that I am, I'm undergoing a death. There's a body of death. But he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now catch it carefully. So with the mind, I do what? I serve the law of God. But 
with the flesh. Now, some of, so this is the part some folks don't even like to incorporate in their thing. But it is in your Bible. With the mind, I serve the law of Christ, but with my, my flesh, the law of what? Sin. Somebody said, oh, Brother Kavanaugh, surely not. Surely you do. So the warfare is still going on. Praise God. Flesh and spirit. I, I think I told the pastor of this church the other evening, Brother Bill Bowie came to our part of the country just recently to preach a special service. And of course, if you've ever heard Bill Bowie preach, man, I kid you not. They, well, I, it, I tell him sometimes that I don't see how you can be so brilliant in the platform and so dumb out. But, uh, but he is one absolute tremendous when it comes to preaching, it looks like it just spits out like a machine gun. And words out of this world. So he, he was going back to Florida and, and uh, he said to Cadmus, he said, I'll call you as I come by and we'll meet at the restaurant outside. He was pulling his trailer. And I went out and, of course, I told him, I said, I was bragging on I said, well, Bill, I said, you've done such a tremendous job of preaching up there. And his subject was uh, recessive genetics and predominant genetics. Man, he preached. And he got to telling how, I don't understand it all, how two brown-eyed folks, all of a sudden, here will come a kid cropped out with blue eyes. And they claim that's recessive genetics. So I said, Bill, I said, from now on, when you're preaching about recessive, Excessive genetics and, and predominant genetics. I said, for the sake of us dumb heads, why don't you just preach about flesh and spirit? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the confusion started. I got Brother Heyman told me to take my time today, and, and I just want to teach a little subject here that I, it'll, it'll help us all. Uh, I'll let Brother Phillips fill in tonight and uh, do such a tremendous job as he's doing. And, uh, but uh, the church, the church needs to know what I'm getting ready to teach this afternoon. It needs to know. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't get it straightened in your head, you're going to be the most confused, mixed up saint that Elder Don Heyman ever pastored. Did you ever notice folks sometimes when they come to church, boy, they got victory to spare. You ever notice? You can hit just the first song. Oh, man, the way they go. And other times, you just look like you can't get them. We pump, we prime, and the service ends, and they go just like they come. Now, you all know what I'm talking about. I said, y'all know what I'm talking about. I hear, I've heard, I've heard preachers say, said, I thank God I've had the victory ever since God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Now, don't know what discouragement is. He ain't doing a thing but just trying to pump you up. Because that's not true. I've been, I have been so discouraged that I have actually quit preaching. I'd like to know how many times I have actually quit preaching. 
I have preached a sermon and was discouraged. I told God, I said, as of tonight, this will be my last message. My last message. To my knowledge, unless we were in a revival, I have never quit over two days at a time. And if you're not careful, in that time of despondency, if you don't know how to handle it, it'll bring you to almost to the brink of despair. Amen. Amen. It'll just bring you to the brink of almost despair. But if in this book and in this Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, there is an answer for the dilemma that bothers us as we walk through here in our Christian walk. Praise God. Let me, let me go back again. When they told me, when they told me that when you receive this marvelous experience that all fought Branch, root, and all was eradicated. And here I went through life, my mind pounded. I dreamed I was cursing. I'd wake up, I'd say, God, help me. They told me if it wasn't in my heart, I wouldn't be dreaming about it. And usually we went to folks that didn't know any more than we did to ask. That's true. And it bothered me to no end. But I want to tell this church this afternoon that there is something in this Bible that you don't have to go through life stumbling around when there is help at your fingertips. There is help at your fingertips. Praise God. At school, at school, I told you yesterday, I think it was, that the news beat me to school the next day that Bob has joined the Holy Roller Church. And I become the object of a little fun maker. You'd see them as I went down the halls. You'd see them punches it. Now, back in my day, they'd call us even glukity glukes. Oh, yeah. And they would mock speaking in tongues. And sometimes hard me to take. Somebody said, why? That never did bother me. Well, you probably got more Holy Ghost than I did. And uh, <clears throat> one, one day in school... A fellow started something, and uh, I drawed back. And when I did, my conscience smote me. And I thought, God, I can't, I'm not supposed to hit folks. Why, somebody's brother Kevin said, I've never felt like hitting anybody in my life. You're a liar. <laughs> I said, you're, you're, I'm telling you, if you don't quit that line, it's going to be worse on than anything else is. I was telling Brother Heyman, a boy in my church, and I know 
I don't advocate anybody hitting anybody. God knows that. But this boy was in high school, and there was a fellow that absolutely rode him unmercifully. He would get in line, maybe going into the cafeteria, and talk vulgar and obscene and make fun of him. And one day in one of his uh, fleshly moments, he hauled off and hit that kid and broke his nose. Came to the office, just a snubbing and a crying. I said, David, I said, son, I said, you're going to have to settle down and talk to me. I don't know what you're saying. Brother Kevin, <laughs> I broke a fellow's nose. Then he told me why he broke his nose. Now, if you want to hold this against me, you go ahead. Way down deep in here, something said, good enough for him. But I couldn't tell that kid that. So I turned on my funeral voice and said, David, son, you should never do that. Saints don't go around hitting folks. All right, brother what do you want me to do? I said, son, Go apologize to that boy and tell him you're sorry you hit him. No kidding. And when he went out of the room, don't think I'm all that bad. I just sat back in my chair and just laughed at the storm. I'm just trying, if you'll let me help you this afternoon. God has put something in this book that if we don't learn it, our whole life is going to be a complete confusion. So in the Bible, in the Bible there is a truth, and I, I want to, I'm, I'm weighing my words this afternoon because I know I'm going to be criticized. We keep talking about Calvary so much. And if we're not careful, we're going to turn into Catholics. Now, if you go out of here and say that Cadmus is trying to downgrade Calvary, you're lying on me. Nobody enjoys the work that Calvary done for this world any more than I do. But I'd like to serve notice on you. You cannot go back to Calvary and get rid of the problem that's bothering you. I didn't think you'd all believe that. We sing so many songs, and I'm not about to eradicate them out of the songbook. I know the sentiments of which they are sung. Thanks to Calvary, I don't go there anymore. And I thank God that Calvary worked to work in my life. But I'm here to serve notice on you today that the work that was done at Calvary was done once and for all. And for as far as the church is concerned, I cannot go back to Calvary and take the blood as it was shed back there to atone for my transgressions down here in these last days. I cannot. 
It is what has spawned in our part of the country. I hope to God it never strikes Denver. But in our part of the country, they are constantly and consistently rebaptizing folks in the name of Jesus, saying that if it took baptism in water in Jesus' name to rid you of sin, if you do anything, you've got to go back and get rebaptized over again to eradicate your problem. That's not true. You are buried with him by baptism into his death. And he only died once. He is not ever going to die again. So you cannot go back to Calvary to atone for your sins after you get saved. And that sounds like crazy talk out of a preacher, but it's still biblical truths anyhow. There is not a man or a woman or a boy or a girl in this church this afternoon that does not need the work of the high priest to be done in your life and in mine. Hallelujah. So when the writer, the writer said, I with my mind serve the law of Christ, and in my flesh the law of sin, it is not trying to tell you that you've got to live in sin. It is just simply saying you need a help in your walk with God. And help has been afforded us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the elder, if he will, today to read for me. I'll turn to it. I can quote it, I know, but I'd just like him to read it for me. In chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, it is such a tremendous book in the Bible. I'm so glad for it. Somebody said, well, what do we have that will help us through our transgressions? I'm getting ready to tell you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody said, this is only red carpet. I hear people say this. And when I hear them say it in disdain, I can come out scrappy. That's just brick. Just boards. That's all you see about a church. You've got a poor conception of a church. You know what I see in here? I see the same thing that John saw in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation that our evangelist gave us the other night. Y'all listen to me? I see exactly the same thing that our evangelist told us in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, verse number 9. The Bible said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a great voice behind me as the voice of a trumpet. And when I turned to see, I saw one walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Amen, 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 amen. I saw him walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Praise God. And he said, when I looked to see him, he said, I was overcome. And he said, I just fell as a dead man. I couldn't understand what I was seeing. Hallelujah. But he said, when I looked to behold him, he had hair white like wool. Hallelujah. And he said, 
His eyes burned like fire. And he was girt about with a golden girdle from his paps on down. Praise God. And his feet burned like burnished brass. And out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. Anybody that knows anything about biblical truths, it is not a thing in the world but Jesus our high priest walking in the midst of the church doing the work of the high priest. And any time you see the word high priest, you just might as well say something else. When you say high priest, you say sin. The reason there's a need for a high priest is because there's sin. And if there was no sin, there would be no need of a high priest. But since you see a high priest, there's sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I saw him. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Somebody said, must have been on Sunday. Have to be for certain. Some folks. I thought I'd just drop this in for just a little extra measure. It sure have to be on Sunday for some folks. If it's not on Sunday for some folks, they'll never get the Spirit. Why, when I went to Shelbyville, some of them still believe that Sunday was a Sabbath. I jumped stiff-legged. One old lady one time, I was teaching Bible class. Brother Callis? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you think it's wrong to cut grass on Sunday? I said, when it comes to cutting grass, I think it's wrong anytime. I hate to cut. I hate to cut grass. <laughs> she said, do you? Well, really, is it wrong to cut grass on Sunday? I said, no more wrong to cut it on Sunday than it is on Monday. So, preachers, instead of saying, talking about the Sabbath, they talk about the Lord's Day. Lord's Day. You know when the Lord's Day is? It better be every day. But it just so happened in this case, he carried him on way on down. And when he got all the way down to the end, he looked back and got a panorama view of the whole picture. And when he looked and he saw, great God of the heavens, in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Glory, glory, glory. That's the reason we're trying our best in these last days to keep folks walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Walking in the Spirit. I know this. You can't walk around acting like you're in a cloud all the time. You break your crazy neck. But there is something about walking in the Spirit of God. I know this. Occasionally we have somebody that is so spiritually minded they go around looking up all the time. Used to be an old lady in Christ's temple. She went around going, can you hear that? I said, what in the world is she doing? said, Brother Cadmus, she's so spiritual. said, she's supping Holy Communion out of the air. I'm telling you now, that's too holy. I said it's too holy. And some of them folks get so holy, you couldn't touch them with a 20-foot pole. 
And you hear me now, self-righteousness among us is just as deadly as anything that can happen to us as a people. Hallelujah. Let me give you a little example. I, I hope I get into this right today. Let me give you a little example. There was a lady in our church years ago that felt like she could do nothing wrong. That's the way she felt. Now, when it comes to dress, now don't go out there and say, Brother Cabot is compromising on dress. I think women ought to dress just as holy and as modest as they ever have. Thank you. But she thought that this part of her, this knot here, this ankle, was the hemline. And she thought this wrist bump here was the sleeve line. And she thought this thing right here was the line for the dress. And underneath that dress, where this ankle bone here was the line for the dress, was high top shoes with buttons on them. Now, don't, 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 don't sell her down the street yet. And she felt like that she was absolutely above and beyond anything that was wrong. So I had a little trouble between her and another old lady in the church. Never will forget. I went to the home. They called me in the house. Both of them in their way up at age. In fact, they were, both those ladies were baptized in the same revival with the late Bishop G.T. Hayward. Both of them were in the same revival. Out on Oak Hill, in uh, Roosevelt Drive, Oak Hill, Tabernacle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And the other woman said, called her by name, said, Mary, she said, forgive me. I'll take all the blame. I just want to get my soul cleared with God. Well, I thought that was a noble gesture on this sister's part. I said, well, Sister Mary, how do you feel about it? I ain't done nothing wrong. I said, well, I'm not saying you have, but I said, Sister uh, 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 Colby said that she'd take all the blame. Whatever it is, uh, she's sorry she'd done it. And she just wants to get her conscience cleared. I said, how do you feel about it? I ain't done a thing wrong. I can tell you, I don't know how to say this, but you can get two. Confounded holy. <laughs> Let me tell you how holy she was. Before she died... Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you. <laughs> My wife took her to the hospital. She was in her 80s. And my wife stayed in the room to help undress her. They peeled off her dress. They peeled off one petticoat. They peeled off two petticoats. If you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not... They peeled off three petticoats, and they peeled off four petticoats, and my wife got tickled and went to laughing. The nurses got tickled and went to laughing, and they pulled off five petticoats. And before they got down to the, to the undergarments, 
they pulled off six pedigrees. I ain't going to do it. But I, I, I live to see the day that I heard her get up in church with her hands up in the air. Now please move me out of the way now. She said, I thank God for the day that that pastor sitting on that platform came to this church and taught me that my self-righteousness was going to send me to the lake. Y'all hear me? Whenever you get to the place where you don't ever have to repent, I just don't know how to say this, but whenever you get to the place where you don't feel bad at anything you do, there's one of two things. God's done taking you out of the body or your conscience is so seared that it won't talk to you anymore. I want to tell you all something. I know we teach sometimes that once a son, always a son, and I believe that. I believe a disobedient son can go to hell just as, just as the same as if he never was a son. I understand all of it. But there was a day I toyed in my mind whether a man could ever be lost or not. And it bothered me. Brother Haman and I went, I, I studied my Bible until I was silly. And one Sunday night I went home, and I'm not trying to get spooky now. I went home one Sunday night, and I... This is just me. I used to, when I got through preaching, I put on my pajamas underneath my uh, dry suit of clothes. And when I got home, my family went to bed. I pulled off my shirt, was sitting in the living room with my Bible on my lap, and uh, I went to weeping. I said, God, I said, tonight, I am not going to go to bed tonight till you tell me what I need to know. I said, if a man is in the body of Christ, and I said, there is every, every hope, there is every work of God to help that man, how could a man ever be lost? And directly I went to weeping. Now, don't go out of here and exaggerate nothing. Else. So help me God, that room got so quiet that I thought somebody was in the room. I had never seen an angel, to my knowledge. And chances are I've seen a lot of them. I turned to see if there was somebody in the room. And when I did, a voice spoke to me and spoke three words. He taketh away. Well, I knew in a minute where it was at. I run to the 15th chapter of the book of St. John, and it is in there. God has the prerogative. He can take you out of a body as well as he put you in it. The book said, He taketh away. That's in your body. Hallelujah. So you can either get in two different categories. One, you can have a conscience that can, it's so seared it can never talk to you. And I'm going to tell you all something. If you don't stay tender where you can be touched by the Holy Ghost, your conscience can get so hard and seared that nothing ever bothers you. That's right. Amen. We, we're, having, we're having a little problem on our part. Just do whatever. 
you want to do just so your conscience don't bother you. That's not a good thing, and you know it's not. That's the reason God needs preachers to preach to you what you need to do so your conscience will talk to you. And whenever you try to tell folks to go to do anything they want to just so your conscience don't bother, you want to watch out. You're going to have a problem on your hand you can't solve after a while. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we are, over here. I, with my mind, serve the law of God. And with my flesh, the law of sin. There is a warfare going on. One against the other. Let me say this. In 50 years, I can truthfully say, somewhere in my being, something has been crying out. I want to live for God. I want to walk with God. I want to be a success. I want to be spiritual. But I'm here to tell you this afternoon, in the same 50 years, there has been something hounding at me constantly. You can't make it. You're not what you ought to be. You ought to be a better man than what you are. But hear me today, my mind is still saying, God, I need help. I need help. I need help. So when John saw him, he saw him in the midst of the church. Hallelujah. I have come to church. My mind disturbed. But I learned that in the midst of that church there is help for a weary soul. Hallelujah. I don't know how to say this correctly. But it bothers my conscience when I bite my wife off. Somebody said, what? I don't ever speak harsh to my wife. Why, you couldn't live under the same roof with a companion over a period of years and not have some words. Well, unless it was Brother Tim Dyson and his wife. I seen Dyson come up on his elbows. Come again? That's just exactly the way I'm telling it. <laughs> there can't two people live under one roof and never have words. Why well, even start an argument just to break the boredom sometime? Good Lord. Well, look. Just to sit around the house and look at each other can get boresome. Oh, somebody said, man, not me. I'm so in love. I am so enraptured. Oh, get out. I said, get out. Well, maybe I'm talking to the wrong church today. <laughs> And there are times, there are times, I got to say, Mom, I shouldn't have said that. Then come to church, 
feels so much. Who was it? Here's oh, it was Marty Ballester. Don't you tell him I told him. But he told it out in the, in the camp meeting. He said one night I got up to preach, and I looked down at my wife. He said I can't preach over the top of her. He went down. And he said, Triple Dan said, Mom, forgive me for speaking unkind to you today. Said I went back to the platform. Just preached like a house of fire. It's bad to be a preacher and look over at your wife and knowing in your heart you bawled her out just before you went to the platform. Oh, come off of it now. That's the reason sometimes you see somebody come to just say, praise the Lord. <laughs> come on, church. You know it's the truth. No, Brother Heyman, I shouldn't tell you. My wife does have to aggravate me, and I've told it so many times. I am not, I am, I am not an early man. I get up early, but I don't feel good early in the morning. I just don't. I'm sorry. Somebody said you could help that. Well, it may be I don't want to help it. I was sitting. I was sitting in my living room one one morning early. And I had my coveralls on. It was back several years ago, and I was feeling a lot better than I do anymore. And I got a little hillside farm, and I'd went out to feed the cows, throw them some hay, come back in, and was sitting in the living room. Never, I just had my old coveralls on, and had a cup of coffee on the arm of the chair, and sitting there. And one LVR, he never ceases to. It's amazing. Whenever he steps. Out of his bedroom. You can smell him before you, he even enters the room. Now, I better explain myself. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what I meant. He, he puts on, uh, what is it he uses, Brother Tim? You remember? Well, I know it's cologne, but I remember there's a certain kind he uses, and of course, I'm familiar, the smell is familiar to me. But he always. He comes out shaved, tie on, white shirt, his coat on. And I looked at him that morning. I said, Juan, how in the name of God can you come out of that room looking so pleasant and so nice and just look just like you're a beam of sunshine? And it got him. And he said, well, Brother Candace, all I know it must be the blessing of the Lord. And I looked up at him, I said, Juan, I said, I feel like the devil. <laughs> and my wife knows it aggravates me. And sometimes if I'm sitting in the living room, she'll come downstairs in the morning and say, and she'll just, and she know it gets me. And she'll smile real big and say, good morning, honey. Mm. You won't hold this against me. I said, oh, shut up. <laughs> now, to you folks, to you folks that, that you never done it. You've never done it. I don't suppose you've ever lied either, have you, Brother Hall? 
Well, I'm going to tell you all something. There's a need for this day for us to recognize that God's house is the most important thing in your life. I thought of the scripture that we, we preach so many times about the Godhead. For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, and received up into glory. And I, I think it's a wonderful passage. But I would to God sometimes we'd back up to the verse that precedes that. You hear me? Instead of quoting all the time 1 Timothy 3.16, we ought to sometimes quote to ourselves 1 Timothy 3.15. And Paul said, until I come, that you may know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. And the way you treat God's house and know what goes on in God's house is how you behave in God's house. Hallelujah. Don't tell me this isn't God's house. I know it is God's house. Wherever the name of Jesus Christ is, it's God's house. Hallelujah. It is from out from this place goes the message of His name. So when John saw Him, he saw Him as our high priest. And I want to say this. He's not He's not in a heaven with his hands bloody and his feet bloody. He's there as our high priest. Hear some folks talk, you think he's dying every time they give an altar call. That's not true. He died once. He ain't dying again. Hallelujah. I said he died once and he's not dying again. We talk about his bloody hands and his bloody feet and his bloody head. And that's well and good. It's got to be preached and I know it. But I'm here to tell you now he's not got a bloody head. He don't have bloody hands. And he don't have bloody feet. But he sits as our high priest, maketh intercession to God for us. And here we are over here in Zion, and we need some divine help to get us ready to go to the glory world. And if God doesn't become our high priest, I'm here to tell you we're all going to die and drop into oblivion and never be saved in a lifetime. You need the work of a high priest. I want the elder to read for me chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. And I want verse number 21 and verse number 22. Read it, please, if you will. Having an high priest. And uh, having an high priest over the house of God. You hear me? There's a high priest over God's house today. Hallelujah. And Paul said, and having an high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. That's exactly what the church needs in this late hour. Let me stop here and give you a little information. I was teaching this one time, and somebody said, Brother Cadmus, tell me, what the while, if you've got a true heart, how do you need any help? 
I said the very fact that you say to yourself, I need help, proves that you got a true heart. That's right. That don't mean that you're a bad man or a bad woman. It just means you got a true heart. Hallelujah. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, hallelujah, with a true heart and a full assurance of faith, having our conscience sprinkled, amen, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Don't tell me you don't need a bath. You need it. Yes, sir. I said you need it. Hallelujah. Set by somebody in church that's a little bit careless on bathing. After a while, folks begin to move away from them. That's right. You need to be washed. Well, somebody said, how often do I need to be washed every time you get dirty? Hallelujah. I was telling some of the brethren today, I think it was, these Swedish knit suits that us preachers wear a lot, they don't never need creasing. That's a blessing in one phase, but it's a curse in another. I went to church one Sunday night, reached into my closet, and I always, usually always wear dark. Somebody said, you think anything else is wrong? I didn't say that. You said that. Hallelujah. I don't care if you wear one stripe like a barber pole. It's you, not me. How do you like that one? I like it too. How about checkers? Uh, give or take a little bit. But I reached and got a dark... No, I'll put that back on by the Dyson. Isn't that pity? Isn't that pity? But anyhow, getting out of breath. I reached in the clothes closet, and I just recently got a dark suit. looked like it was good crease. And I knew I had some suits that ought to have been to the cleaners. And I went to church, and how in the world? We have prayer meeting. You don't have to pray like I pray. I'm not asking you to. But usually when I get through praying, if I pray an hour, I'm usually wringing wet with sweat. That's the truth. I heard Brother Phillips say these preachers preach that pray for seven hours. Oh, I don't know how they do it. I just don't. I just don't. I said, they don't pray like I pray. I just don't. I, I just can't believe it. And they might walk around and mumble during the day, but to get out on their knees and travail for seven hours, boy, they're more of a bigger man than I am. I just, I just don't understand it myself. But I... Got up from prayer, and I went. I thought, Lord, have mercy. I walked over by the, over by the piano, and there was a lady there playing a, one of the marimbas, you call them marimbas, and I smelled it. I said, have mercy. And I walked over by the organ, where the guitar and the trumpet fell up, sit back there, and I went, I said, it's even over here. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, could it be me? 
Now, don't hold this against me, but I got real spiritual. I said, everybody lift your hand, let's praise the Lord. And I went, oh. I'm just telling I don't believe in rebaptism. Brother, I went back in my church office and found a, a bottle of men's aftershave lotion, and I literally baptized that coat. I'm going to tell you all something. You do need a washing. You do need a cleansing. You do need a renewal. And you'd better get to the place where you recognize that God's high priest is always on the job. And the book said, and having an high priest, whereabouts? Over the house of God, let us draw near with a what kind of a heart? Let me tell you all something. Some of these folks who feel like that they don't need any more of God, there's something wrong somewhere. A true heart recognizes the failures of your individual self. We've got folks that can see sin in somebody else but can't see it in themselves. That's a shame. The old Negro spiritual used to sing, It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in need of prayer. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's who? Me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And here I have the greatest blessing of all, coming to God's house. Hallelujah. Coming to God's house. And when I get there, the high priest is always there to minister to folk and to help folks and to aid folks who need divine help. Hear me, hear me. When you got saved, sin, root, branch, and all did not leave. Talk to you about just for a minute here. I am against stealing as much as any preacher alive. I think it's wrong to steal as much as anybody here. So I had a young girl one time in church, graduation time. We got her out of a orphan's home. Parents put her there, isolated her away. One of the saints working at the orphan's home got her, brought her to church. And uh, she got baptized and got the Holy Ghost. And graduation time had come. Graduation time had come. I didn't even read it in the papers. But uh, mother said, Dad, you know so-and-so got caught for shoplifting today? I said, no. Yeah, she did. I said, well, out of here she's going. She ain't going to be a member of this church and go downtown and steal. We live close to the church, and I usually walk. I was a human. Bless God, I'm not putting up with a thief in this church. Y'all listen to me. I ain't going to have it. Out of here she's going. I, ain't going to, I just ain't going to put up with it. Ain't going to be no thief set around my church. And on the way to church, a little boy said, and a son making a difference. I 
kind of ignored it for a while. I ain't going to put up with it. I, what I was doing was trying to take it, get it, work up enough courage when they got there to give her a good swap. I ain't going to have it. I just ain't going to put up somebody stealing this church, shoplifting downtown. I ain't going to have it. And again, something said, and a son making a difference. And it, I hesitated. When I got the church, I said, said, send her in here. I said, young lady, what have you done? She said, Brother Cavie, I'm so sorry. I said, you know it's wrong to do what you've done. I know that. I said, do you realize what you've done to this church? Yes, Brother Cavie. What'd you do it for? Well, something all the time is saying, there's some making a difference. Of course, sometimes you say, I ain't no respecter of person. If I do it to one, I'm going to do it to another. Old C.W. had a, a motto years ago. He said, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of attitudes. That's pretty profound coming from him. I said, that's profound coming from him. And that little old girl sat there in front of me, and I give her a good tongue lashing. And directly I saw something that melted me just like butter. Big old tears rolled. She said, Brother Cavett, please don't make me leave the church. Good God, then. <laughs> please, Brother Cavett. I don't want to leave the church. Good Lord. Finally, it got through to me. Then I thought of the times I needed help. Somebody said, have you stole since you've been saved? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you steal? You tell me and I'll tell you. <laughs> Somebody said, I can't believe you stole Brother Kevin's. I have. Oh, tell me you didn't. Tell me you didn't, son. Tell me you didn't. I'll tell you if you'll tell me you didn't. <laughs> now, mind you, this come out in the newspaper. And God so worked me over. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me how many times I needed help in my Christian life. I called her by name. I said, go on out to take your place in the church. And I said, if one of these people in this church lift their voice against you, I said, I'm going to put them out. I just took a roundabout face. Now, you, you listen to me. 
sometimes, sometimes, a person whose conscience are smitten. I heard dude preaching me here a year or two ago and used Tim's spell for an illustration. I'll never forget it. I just chuckled to myself. And he was using Tim for an illustration. And somebody had come and told, said, do you know that Tim spell? He is a good for nothing. I'm telling you, he is one of the awfulest fellows you ever saw in your life. And all of a sudden, while dude was preaching, and he was, he, dude, dude was taking the role of the high priest. He said, I'm well aware of what you're saying, but he just left my throne room. You know. Even had me cry. Said he just left my throne room. <laughs> let, let me just, I hope you won't charge me for this. In chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, there are 10 things listed that the church really is. Mount Zion, church of the firstborn, where the spirits of just men are made perfect. I don't know why I can't just get them on my mind right now. But if you read on, it said, and the blood of sprinkling. Uh -huh. The blood of sprinkling. <laughs> Look at it. Not a bit of doubt in my mind. When I see folks move into a realm of spiritual worship. Now, if you, if you don't want to take this, help yourself. But if you could just get your eyes open and see the supernatural. I see the high priest walking through the church. Just sprinkling blood everywhere. Y'all hear me? Just walking up and down. And he looks at Ronald. Lord have mercy. Let's pour the bowl on today. Y'all hear me? It's not a thing in the world but the high priest walking through his church and just sprinkling blood on everybody. Hallelujah. And all it takes, that's the reason I've said it, I'm still declaring it. The prayer meeting in the church is the most essential ingredient in a child of God's life that you can find anywhere. Hallelujah. 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 Here I walk into God's house. Lord, I want to live for you. My mind. My mind. Serving the law of the Spirit. But i got to bring the flesh. And it's yielding itself and pulling back. And serving the law of sin. But in my heart there is a desire to want to serve the law of God in my mind. And trying to bring my body under subjection. Hallelujah. And here we are, down here in these last days, seeing the condition that is existing. Oh, God have mercy on us. The church needs to hear the message of the high priest more than it needs anything else in the world. If the message of the high priest don't get across to us, I'm afraid some of us are going to die under condemnation. Let me give you an illustration. I went to the hospital, it's been some years ago, and a woman was dying with a cancer. Hallelujah. Dying to the cancer. And it had gotten into her, into her abdomen, and she was laying in the hospital just swollen in a strut. Swollen in a strut. And it, it is amazing. Somewhere across life, she had moved to our city, and she had somehow made herself believe that if I was what I ought to be, 
I would not be laying here in this hospital. And she was dying with conscience stricken, feeling bad at herself. And I looked at her and I thought, oh God, here she is just a step away from death. And she's all confused about meeting God. Let me tell you something. Whenever you get ready to step across the line from time into eternity, you need everything but just a state of confusion. You need some faith in your heart that will take you from here to yon. And if somebody don't preach it to you, you'll never have it. Hallelujah. I looked down and I said, Sister, I said of all times in your life that you ought to have faith. It's right now. It's right now. But over the cabinets, if I had faith, I wouldn't be here. That's, please forgive me, that's crazy. I walked up to one of our preachers one day, Brother Haman. I said, look, I said, the way you preach healing, you believe in divine help. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, Brother God, I said, yes, you do. There's no such thing as divine help down here. No, that's right. I can remember the time back years ago, used to tarry in St. Louis. They, they had a church there. They tarried to get the glorified body. Tarried just like you tarried for the Holy Ghost to get glorified body. Got right down. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But old Pappy Hughes had the answer for it. Ben Pemberton took Pappy down to the church one night. Sure enough, down to the altar, somebody was getting glorified. Happy walked down. This is a little humorous, but it won't hurt you. Somebody said, well, I don't like humor in church. Well, God must have had a little humor. He wouldn't have made monkeys and all of us. <laughs> then Ben took Pappy down to where that fellow was getting glorified. And Ben says, Pappy, he got his glorified body. Pappy said, if God give me a body like that, I'd give it back to him. <laughs> You'd have to know Pappy Hughes to appreciate that. But of all times, we need faith. And some people preach divine healing like they think it's divine hell. It, you're not, when you're sick, it's not because you've transgressed and something's wrong with you spiritually. You're just a human being like everybody else. Praise God. I said, you're a human being like everybody else. Somebody said, oh, brother, if you had faith, you'd never get sick. Ah, get out. Why, you can, if you're subject to a little uh, allergy sometimes, a little air blowing across your bare feet will give you the sniffles the next morning. Ain't done nothing wrong. Just slipping my feet up underneath the cover. That's silly. Y'all hear me? Why, Jesus made it plain once and for all. They said, who sinned? This man or his parents? He said, neither one. The works of God might be made manifest. Praise God. You didn't sin because you're sick. I'm here to tell you now, we need to have some faith in Him. I walk into God's house. Sometimes I just begin to praise Him. All of a sudden, the Scripture comes to me, faith is nigh thee. said, faith is nigh thee. Why? said, it's even in your mouth. All you got to do is speak it out. Here comes a man with a true heart. Tell him, God, Lord, I want to draw near with a true heart. I want a full assurance of how I feel in my heart tonight, Lord. Hallelujah.
And the Lord just looks down and begins to sprinkle that evil heart, that evil conscience from an evil heart. And he begins to just pour fresh water on it. You talk about bathing. Man, I've, got, I've went through a service, and when I got through, I never felt so clean in all my life. Hallelujah. Sunday night, just before I came here, just before I came here, Sunday night, I knew better. My health won't permit it anymore, but, you know, you still think you're 16 occasionally. I got up from my prayer and took about a five-minute break, went back in that service and kept them folks for three hours. Lord, I'd like to kill myself, but I'm telling the truth. When I got home, I felt like somebody had scrubbed me inside and out. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? And some folks say, I don't need to repent. Oh, yes, you do. You need to move close to your high priest that he can fix you up. Because you can't rub shoulders with the world all day long and not let it become a part of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just drop down here at verse chapter 10. Let me deal with something here. A little sticky, but I can handle it. You might try 1025. That's my old favorite, right? Now, there's a reason why you're not supposed to forsake the assembling yourselves together. There's a reason why. You said not forsaking the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is. Ourselves, I'm sorry. Thank you. But exhorting one another. And so much the more. And you see the day approaching. Now it is imperative that you get to God's house. Man, if you go back in the Chronicles and the Kings and study Solomon's temple, great day in the morning, that thing served every purpose that that church needed. I mean every purpose that church needed. If he was in a famine, just look to the house. If he needed help, look to the house. Didn't make a difference what it was. If he was having a war, look to the house. Somebody said, well, we're not in war. You may not believe it, but we are in a warfare. My God. Just look to the house. So Paul, come, well, I, somebody said, are you sure Paul wrote the book of Hebrews? Yes. I guess. All I know, brother, I don't know of any writer in the New Testament had any more knowledge of the Old Testament than the Apostle Paul had. Hallelujah. So let me just say, Paul. Somebody said, what if you miss it? Well, I don't think I missed it. So here we go. Read. For if we sin willfully. Now wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. For years on end, everybody made a great big to-do about the word willfully. There's a difference in a willful sin. I got looking at it one day, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at it. I said, willfully. Willfully. Let me tell you all something. You don't never do nothing besides unless your will works to do it. I didn't think you all believed it, but it's all right. I can handle it. 
What do you mean you can't help it? There is not a thing you do, but first of all, your will enters into it. Well, thank you, Brother Christian. There remaineth no more. That brought Dyson up on his elbow. There, there. For if we sin willfully, after that we have knowledge of truth. Now, wait just a minute. We all have come to a knowledge of truth. But after you come to that knowledge and you have sinned willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. I'm just getting ready to tell you, don't be so impatient, brother. Don't be so impatient. That's one of your many virtues, your impatience. I'm just kidding, Brother Dyson. We're good friends. Let me tell you also. Jesus Christ is not coming down ever again to be a sacrifice for your sins. Never. 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 Brother, if you take your wife home today and be her, that's good. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, no, I'd better get away from him. <laughs> really, I... Jesus Christ is never going to die again for your sins. But I'll tell you what he has provided for us. There is a blood of sprinkling. There is a house of God. There is a high priest over the house of God. That when you draw near Him, I'm here to tell you now, He just works in you in mar most marvelous ways in the world. Dear God, how many times would Christ have to have died since He died? If every time somebody had done something wrong, He had to die again. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. He doesn't die again. But we move from his death into his church, and he's the high priest over the church. Yeah. Hallelujah. Here's what happens. The next verse says, But, read it, Elder, a certain, I can't, there's two words here, it's hard for me to get. A certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignations which shall devour or destroy your adversaries. One man jumped up in a Bible class one time and said, Elder! said, I thought that was hell. I said, no, that's not going to hell. That's when your conscience begins to smite you. And you hear me carefully. God anoints a preacher to step up on a platform and begins to preach against sin. And don't tell me we don't have to preach against it. We do have to preach against it. There's only one way that you can get a condemnation for some folks, and that's for the man of God. God show him on the platform, and he preaches against something, and your conscience begins to smite you. 
and a fearful indignation. You're scared. You're worried. But God has a provision to destroy the adversaries. He can do it. Hallelujah. Oh, we made such a big spooky bookie out of it years ago. Just, just everybody was just sitting around church. One preacher come by my place one time and preach. Said, said, if you sin willfully, no hope for you. One old fellow got so discouraged, went home, said, what's the use? What's the use? This doesn't give a man a license to go out and do anything he wants to. This gives him a hope and an inspiration. There's help. There's deliverance in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Here we are today. Sometimes got folks' mind in such a tither. They don't even know what you ended up. I was teaching Bible class one night, and I got to walking real fast down on the carpet, going back and forth. I was, in fact, I got to preach is what I've done. And I walked by a fella, and my folks, are they, they've done it all these years. And he hollered at me and said, Brother Cadmus. I said, yes. He said, what is the sin of the death? I said, that means you die in your sins and kept on walking. And I stopped. I said, I never did know that before. I've always made such a big spooky thing out of that. Well, well, I'll go back and we'll go back over it again. Bible said. We used to call it a sickness unto death, but the book don't say that. It said a sin unto death. Mm-hmm. He said, there is a sin. I say, you shall pray for it. You shall give a man life. But he said, there is a sin unto death. I say, you shall not pray for it. And he used to pray for somebody after dead. Well, I see you all don't believe that, do you? I was just traveling fast and when he had said that, I just turned around and just quickly said, I mean, he died in his sins. And I said to myself after I walked up, I said, what do I say? And I got to looking at it very carefully. What else could it mean? Be like the old preacher in the northern part of Indiana. He knew the mayor of the city real well. And the mayor's son died. And the old bishop went down to the funeral home to see the corpse, the mayor saw him coming, hollered at me. He said, oh, Reverend, he said, I'm so glad to see you. He says, come over to the casket. Would you say a prayer for him? Hey, too late to pray then. Sure is. Boy, could that put a preacher on the spot. The mayor said, Reverend, it's my son. Would you say a prayer for him? What good would it do? Oh, he's praying after God. Well, boy, she's too quiet here for some reason. Let's go. Let's go to the Book of First John and read it. Let me find. I don't remember the verse. Ooh, I can't stand him when he gets this quiet. First John. That's chapter 5. 
Verse 16. You all got your Bibles. Verse 16. Speak a little louder, brother. I don't hear well. Thank you. See his brother, which is not unto death. As long as he's breathing, pray for him. He shall ask. Shall give him life. But come again. Read. Tim Dyson, I know you're not reading out of the book. I know you're not reading out of the book. I know you. You remind me of why Brother Jordan was traveling one time. We've been great arguers through the years. If I take one side, he'll take the other. It's good for you sometimes. And I don't remember what the text subject was now, but Brother Jordan was a type of a fella. When he went to bed at night, just as soon as he took his trousers off, and he wouldn't much more than get his head on the pillow. He'd just be off like a line. And it would just aggravate me to know him. I'm, I, I don't go to sleep real quickly. But just a minute, his head would hit the pillow. He was gone. We were in London, England. We would just had made a trip through Africa to the mission field in South America. And I was laying there, and Brother Jordan just snoring up a storm, just snoring up a storm. And I just thought, well, I can't take this. So I reached across to the other bed, and I shook him. I said, Doc, are you asleep? He said, yeah, yeah, what's, 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 what's that? I knew how to wake him up. I said, you know that scripture mean you've been arguing about? Yeah, what, what about it? I said, well, there's something about it I don't understand. He said, well, that's what I'm here for to explain it to you. <laughs> well, that teed me off. So I got the Bible, what the Scripture was, and I'd done what Dyson done. I read what I knew Jordan wanted to hear. He come out of that bed. He said, I've been trying to tell you that's what it meant all these times. He said, I told you that's what it meant. And I just let him just rear on. And finally I said, now, Jordan... For your information, I read that in there myself. It's not in there. Boy, his feathers just ripped. <laughs> you hear me? Some things that we have made such a big to do about is so simple we stumbled over. I said we stumbled over. I said we stumbled over. And when that boy hollered at me and asked me that question, I just turned on him like that and made the statement and kept on walking. And when I got over to the other side of the church, I thought, what in the world have I said? And I went back, and I went back and got to looking and reading it. I said, what else could it mean? If a man sinned a sin unto death, I say you shall not pray for it. In other words, if a man gets caught in death with his transgressions, he's through. But thanks be to God, there is a way over here that you can get prayed for and get delivered. My God, the Lord hasn't let nothing out of this church. Nothing. 
Praise God. I want the elder to turn with me today. I just feel led to go here. Since I got to this chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews. Oh, I don't want to go back to the first, please. I don't want to go back to the first. Well, maybe we ought to. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go into perfection. I'm laying again, I'm laying again the foundation of some dead works. Dead works. And the faith toward, faith toward God. Talking to baptism. Laying on of hands. Resurrection of the dead. Eternal judgment. This and this will we do if the Lord permit. All right, let's read. For it is impossible. Now watch it carefully. For it is impossible. For those who were once enlightened. Now, if you, if you will allow me to, I'd like to elaborate on the five things here that Paul wrote. And if more emphasis were placed on the five elements that we have received, some folks wouldn't be so near and apt to let their lives get so tangled up in the world till they couldn't get out. Said we were what? We were in light. Was that the first one? Let me, let, let me tell you also. Somebody said, what does that mean? That just simply means we've had the light turned on. We've had the light turned on. And I got news for this church. The nearer you get to the light, sometimes the greater he becomes. I looked at that scripture one time over in, in the book of 1 John. said, if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with the other. And we always were taught in our fellowship meetings, it was really walking in the light, we'd have fellowship with everybody. They ain't talking about with everybody, talking about fellowship with him. We have fellowship one with the other. You get fellowship with him, you don't have to worry about fellowship with everybody else. Right. Well, I'll say. Oh, you have to read. But we were enlightened. Here, God, do you realize what God done for us when He enlightened us? Praise God. Read. Once we're enlightened and have tasted of Man, gifts. we have tasted not of just some ordinary thing, but it is a heavenly gift. And we're made for takers. And not only have we been enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift, we have been made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Read. And have tasted the good word. And man, the good word of God has, we've just taken and tasted the times. And the powers. And not only that, but we hit the powers of the world to come. That's what God has done for us. Yes, God. Hallelujah. They shall fall away. And they shall fall away. Read. To renew them again unto repentance. Now hold on to your seat now. I know I'm traveling in troubled waters. If this on the surface is what most folks think it is, a backslider can never get back. 
Now, y'all listen to me. If this on the surface is what everybody thinks it is, no backslider can get back. Because it said it's impossible. To renew them again to repentance. Now, let me tell you what it's talking about. It's talking about repentance as an alien sinner. You can't go back again ever and walk the path as an alien sinner and repent from dead works. Now, if it says it's impossible, it means that nobody that is a backslider can ever get back to God. And I don't believe that because there's backsliders sitting right here that have gotten their lives straightened up and make just as good a saints as you ever saw in your life. So anyhow, somebody said, well, I thank God I've never, I've never backslid. Well, you ought to thank the Lord for that. But some folks have tripped up and fell and made a mess out of their life. What it is actually saying, you cannot go back as an alien sinner and repent again from dead works. Amen. That's right. You cannot. You cannot. When you walk down this aisle the first time as an alien sinner, any time you sin from there on out, you are not as an alien sinner. Let me give you a little humor. Timmy's, what was that your boy's name that stayed with us in the motel room that day? Which one? Tony? I said, Tony? I said, where's your grandpa at? Why, he said, Brother Kevin, she took a busload of folks to Disney, Disney World, Disneyland. Disney World. There's two different kinds. I can't get them separated. I said, Disney World? I said, Tony, that's where all the sinners go. Oh, he looked at me as funny. He said, no. I said, yeah. I said, Tony, that's where all the sinners go. He looked at me again. He said, well, they're not just ordinary sinners. I never did forget that. I was just having some fun out of Tony. But he said, they're just not ordinary sinners. And out of the mouth of babes and suckling. Let me tell you all something. Whenever you walk down that aisle for your first time as an alien sinner, you'll never walk down that same aisle a second time as an alien sinner. Because the first trip down the aisle as an alien sinner, you repented from dead works. Y'all listening to me? Yeah. If, if, if it is true, you've got to walk down that aisle as an alien sinner, the second time, you've got to go through the waters of baptism the second time, and you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost the second time. And I just happen to don't believe that. Somebody said, well, Brother Kevin, don't you think folks get the Holy Ghost all over again? I've preached in some churches. Some folks had it so many times, it's almost unspeakable. I hear preachers say, man, they got it. That's the reason I'm against this high-powered evangelism. They got it! They got it! They got it! Why, they didn't think just recycle folks. What'd they get? I heard them. Man, they got an experience this time. They'll never quit this time. Two weeks, they're gone. Talking in tongues is no sign of backsliders back to God no more than I'm a lop-eared mule. That's the truth. Wished I had time today, but I don't have it. I'd go through the seven steps of repentance, chapter 7 of Second Corinthians. I sure would. No, I ain't no tomorrow. 
The book said it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance. And here's what I want. Here is what I want. Read, Elder. And that's why, if they fall away to renew them, seeing they crucify to themselves. Now watch this. Now watch me carefully. Now wait just a minute. The book said they crucify how? To themselves. They've done it to themselves. You ain't never going to crucify him again. I got news for everybody that's sitting in this church. You ain't never going to crucify him again. You may crucify him to yourself. Y'all listen to me? But you ain't never going to crucify him again. Now, oh, he stands. Come. He stands with nail-scarred hands. No, he don't. You can, you can point them back to Calvary, the Vernalian Center, but not over here you don't. That's right. That's right. If you're going to bring him out with nail-scarred hands, bring him out with a back with his entrails hanging out too. I done said it won't take it back. The Bible said they plowed on his back like furrows. Not a bit of doubt in my mind when Christ was hanging at Calvary, his inward, his entrails was hanging out. You're going to bring him out with bloody hands. Bring him out with a scarred head with blood on it. I'm telling you now, if we're not careful, we'll all become Catholics if we're not careful. We got him dying of death every time to take the communion and the wafer and the wine. Christ is undergoing a vicarious suffering. I don't believe a word of it. No, no, no. Go into the shrines and in their churches. There lays the Christ with a bloody side, with a sword sticking in it, with the hands bleeding. It's not so. Thank you. But you crucify to yourself. You crucify to yourself. You'll not crucify him again. Read on, Elder. I want to get down and close in a few minutes. And put him to an open shame. To yourselves you put him to an open shame. Now you listen to me carefully. You listen to me carefully. You're not ever going to shame God. Now you can do it to yourself, but you're not going to shame God. Who do you think you are? You little bitty old peon of a mess down here, a ball of lump of clay, trying to shame the great God of glory? Why, you're as crazy as a lunatic. He sits in the heaven sovereign of everything. Made worlds, made you, and you little bitty old insignificant. See me on God. Why, you, excuse me, you dumb head. Please forgive me, I don't mean to talk like that, but it's pitiful. You shame him to yourself. You can't shame him. I hear folks talking and said they mock God. No, you won't mock him. God said he is not mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You mock yourself. You'll not mock him. He stood one time and let them rail on him. But they'll never do it again. He stood one time and bared his back. Let them tear him to shreds. He stood one time and stretched his arms out and let them nail him to a Calvary's cross. 
He stood one time and let them hawk up spit and spit in his face. They stripped. Thank you, Brother brother Phillips, what you said the other night. I don't believe he was crucified with a loincloth. He said the shame. He bore that shame. They stripped him naked as he hung at Calvary. But they'll never do it again. They'll never do my Savior that way again. Please forgive me. But they'll never do my Christ that way again. I see him in chapter 5 of the book of Revelations. John said he began to weep and cry. Saw a book in the hand of him that sat on the throne, sealed with seven seals and written within. John began to cry, said, Who's worthy to open the book and loose the seals? And he said, Weep not, John, for one has failed to open the books. John looked, and he saw three. Oh, yeah. He saw the line of the tribe of Judah and the seed of David. Now watch it. And then he said, And out from the midst of the throne stepped, and this is my language now, stepped a bloody lamb, or the book says a lamb as it had been slain. You know what he done? He took off his lamb clothes. Reached up and off of the edge of eternity. He reached and got his robe of a wrath, slipped his hands in the sleeves, and went to work. Somebody said, what was it, preacher? It was what he earned when he died at Calvary's cross. Those dirty, ornery folks that spit upon him. Brother, he stood there, and I heard our evangelist say it the other night so ably. Never opened his mouth. Oh, the love that he had. But hear me, hear me, hear me. Someday the love robes shall be domed off us. And the robes of, of wrath and anger. And folks talk about mocking him. Crucifying him. You just do it to yourself. Read on, Elder, and I'm, I'm going to get something, and I'm quick. For the earth now watch this. The, the, the Scripture is not changing. It's not changing. It said, for the earth which drinketh in the rain, which drinketh in the rain that, cometh oft upon it. that cometh oft upon it. Man, isn't it wonderful to see the rain come down from heaven? Have you ever noticed a little word in here? It'll help you all if you get it. Read it, Elder. And bringeth forth herbs. And bringeth forth herbs. Meat for them. And meat for them. By whom it, by is, whom it is dressed. Everybody say dressed. dressed. Could I just could I just stop for a minute? I was reading that one day and I and I'm not exaggerating. It looked like the word D-R-E-S-S-E-D embossed itself and lifted itself right out of the Scripture. Well, I said, I declare, there is the answer to the whole dilemma. The Bible said that the water that comes down upon the earth of the rain, and it bringeth forth herbs and meat 
unto them of whom it is D-R-E-S-S-E. If you don't avail yourselves of what God has in his church, you'll never produce nothing. And you can't produce nothing. I don't care how much rain comes until you dress your I'm going to run by and run that by again. Here I am over here, a member of Donald E. Heyman. What's E stand for, Sister Heyman? You did that, did that pretty. I'm a member of Donald Eugene Heyman's church. Now hear me. If I don't use the tools that God put in his church to keep my ground dressed, Somebody said, well, I never planted the weeds in my life. And it's strange enough to plant weeds. They grow by themselves. Oh, they don't? Boy, mine always did. I probably told this here, but I've, I'm, always, I'm one of the best gardeners you ever saw in your life in the spring of the year when everybody gets to making gardens. I get all hyped up. Oh... But my wife knows me like the palm of her hand. And when I get all hyped up about putting out a big garden, she said, Now, Dad, just as sure as that garden is put in and the seed is sown, somebody will call and you'll grab your suitcase and grab you a plane and you'll be gone for two weeks. Now, I'm going to tell you, you go ahead and put it in. But if you leave here, when it comes time to hold that garden, I'm going to tell you now, I don't intend to pull one weed. <laughs> Let the Lord take care of it. That's the reason he put the hole in your hand, brother. For what elder I can't get it straight. Bring forth herbs meat for them. And herbs meat for them of by which it is by which it is dressed. I will assure you, you come in this church and get baptized in Jesus' name and get the Holy Ghost and sit down and do nothing. You'll have the weediest life you ever saw in your life. That's right. You can't keep from weeds growing. Where they come from, I don't know. I never planted them, but just as sure as God made little green apples, when it begins to rain and the sun begins to shine, weeds come from somewhere. And if you don't keep that life of yours dressed, I will assure you something else is going to happen. Now listen at it carefully, Brother Haman. Read carefully, and I'm close. Now watch this. But that which beareth... Thorns and briars. Now wait just a minute. Why does a garden bring forth thorns and briars? It is not dressed. Why does a Christian's life become weedy and thorny until it's non-productive? It's because it is not dressed. So instead of you running back and saying, 
I'm going to step out of here a little while and sow some wild oats and I'm going to come back and repent and get the Holy Ghost. Hey, you better not. What'd you say, Han? Well, don't get me too stretched out here, brother. <laughs> but listen to me carefully again. Brother McMullen, I looked at that one day and that thing in Boston, I just went, uh. Mm-hmm. I said, there it, there it is. Somebody said, well, what do you do when you get off? You need some help. I'll tell you what you need to do. Just get you a spiritual hole. Get over here in God's church and begin to clean it up. And the first thing you know, the high priest needs to be... Just rain just starts coming. And the first thing you know, everything is in hunky-dory shape again. Now, listen to me carefully. It is not rejected and nigh unto cursing. That is not what brings forth the thorns and the briars. But the thorns and the briars brings on nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. So when you find yourself that you need help, don't just laze around and think it'll take care of itself. Get your spiritual hole and go to work. Right. Hallelujah. We preached this for so long, folks just jump out. Let me give you just a little something here to chew on. No use to... But they'll just jump out long enough to divorce their wife and marry and everything and come right back in. Oh. <laughs> you ain't never coming back to the Navy Center again. It won't work. I said it won't work. I said it won't work. We sit around here sometimes. We preach things that ain't a bit more a Bible than nothing. Try to tell folks you can just jump out and do anything you want to. I've got news for you. When you come back in, instead of setting you back up on a platform, tooting a horn, they ought to put a hole in your hands and say, boy, get to work for a while. Yes, sir. Clean your life up. Clean your act up. Well, I know, but, I, you know, I've got a talent. And if I don't work at my talent, I just don't seem like I can make it. Well, if you haven't got that much patience, just forget it. Somebody said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, Chris has probably got a good garden this year. I'll borrow off of him. Oh, no. You've got to work your own out. Right. Don't expect to eat somebody else's tomatoes. Amen. All right. D-R-E-S-S-E-D is a key word of the whole mess. I said it's a key word to the whole thing. Quit talking about folks mocking God. Crucifying God. You're just doing it in here. You ain't going to kill him. Why, back in, my, back in our part of the country, you've got to watch preachers like a hawk. They'll come to fellowship meetings and say, man, we just baptized 35. And I said, oh, Lord have mercy. See him again, just baptized 22. I said, have mercy, that's wonderful. And he said, hey, Cabbage, come preach for me. I said, well, what's said tonight? I'll run over and preach for him. I looked around. Well, I said, he ain't got as many as he was here the last time I was here. What's wrong around here? 
And finally, you get down to the root of the matter, he's been baptizing the same folks over and over and over and over and over and over. Dear God, some of the folks ought to know the frog with the first name. You all hear me? I said, as many times as some folks have been baptized, they ought to know the frog with the first name. It's a shame. Let me tell you the reason some of them do it. I, I'd better close. It's 3 o'clock. But uh, here some old time back, when before Brother Carl Ballesteros left uh, South Bend, said, to me, to me, he's a giant of a man. To me, this is just me, this is me talking. I think he's one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my whole life. Barna. I feel like a little kid in knee britches when they get around. He can, he can spit out words that I never knew before. I told him one time, I said, Ballesteros, I'd just love some day to just to see you just make a complete flop. I said, I hate folks that's good at everything to go at. And brother, he excels in it. But he had a, had a young girl, brother, brother uh, Haman, and he baptized her, and she was tearing to the Holy Ghost. And she went across town to the man's church because it's having a revival. And naturally, she went to the altar. And that pastor got down and said, would you like to get baptized? She said, oh, no, said Brother Ballesteros baptized me just the other night. Oh, that won't hurt you, honey. You get baptized over again. And if he didn't take that girl and rebaptize her, I'm not standing there. That's all he wanted was to counter. I, t- I told Carl, I said, Carl, I said, you can do anything you want to. I said, you're the boss of your own life. But I said, if it was me, I'd be on that guy's doorstep tomorrow. I said, if you don't know any difference, I'm going to tell him the difference. They could be baptized in some churches and some, some goofball will jump up, throw off his coat, said, I feel so good like I want to get baptized again and, and run and jump in the baptistry clothes and on. That's zeal and no sense. And the preacher says, well, all right, it won't hurt nothing. Oh, yes, it does. It confuses the minds of folk. Hallelujah. I'm closing. But let me give you another one. Chapter 4. Seeing therefore, verse 12 of Hebrews, we have a, I like this phrase as much as any phrase in the Bible. Seeing that we have a great high priest. (laughs) Seeing therefore we have a great high priest. You got it, Elder? You got it, read that is passed into the heavens. What's where he's at? He has passed into the heavens. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Watch it. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest. This high priest can be touched with the feelings right. of our infirmities. Yeah. Read, read. Which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Read. But was in all points. And all points like as we, yet without sin. Yet without sin. This is what I like. Let us therefore come, well, boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, find grace, and help in time of need. God's house ought to mean more to us than anything else in the world. When I walk into his house and I recognize he's my great high priest, Lord, help me today to come boldly before you. 
And I want to say this in closing. You cut out your prayer life. Cut out your working in the God's house and his vineyard. After a while, you'll get to the place where you'll be standing back in the shadows waiting for an exit. This may not mean anything to you. Some years, some four years ago, I guess now, I was teaching a Bible conference in Central City, Kentucky. My son was preaching at night, and I fell sick. I don't know what the matter was. And I told dude the next morning, I said, son, if you'll gas my car, I'm going home. I don't want to get sick here. So I went home for three days and three nights. I never had enough strength even to get up and go to the shower. And finally, two or three weeks went by, and I slipped. I would slip in the back of the church and get me a chair and sit just as close to the sanctuary as I could to hear the saints worship and praise God. Brother Haas came to me, Sister Haas's husband. She said, Elder, he said, Elder, we sure been missing you in the church. I said, Haas, I said, I miss the church more than I miss my life. He said, really, he said, we miss you in the, in the prayer meeting. He said, we miss you in the prayer meeting. I broke up and went to cry, and I said, Haas, pray for me. I said, I feel as dirty and nasty as I've ever felt in all of my life. Somebody said, what did you do? That was my problem. I wasn't able to do nothing. Somebody said, does that bring condemnation? It ought to. I said, it ought to. But thank God for a place to come. Praise God.